Did you get on a Ferris wheel since we last spoke? Did I get on a Ferris wheel? Hello, pod people, and welcome back to episode three of the Big Bad Nonsense podcast, the podcast where we explore the weirdness of the world. It's great to know you're listening, and today we have something deviating from our usual. At the time of recording this, I'm on holiday deep in the mountains of Slovakia, but Biscuit has put together an interview with our guest host, Sam. So please sit back, open your ear holes, and enjoy. All right, all you jib jigglers on the podcast world it is time for big bad nonsense episode three this is your lovely host biscuit i am not joined by my lovely host sock Um, we did two episodes in a row so he's a little worn out and is busy being eaten by bears in the mountains in europe somewhere he will be back with us episode four possibly in the meantime i brought a couple people along because lord knows i'm not interested enough to carry this on my own we will start with mystery surprise guest mystery surprise guest how are you which one is mystery surprise (laughs) 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 off to a great fucking start there okay so one of you is a guest, one of you is a host. Um, let's go with the host. Hey, it's Sam. How's it going, boys? <laughs> there we go. All right, so are we going with Sam for you? Is that going to be the name for the show? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. And on the other side, I figured while the adult wasn't in the classroom... I'd do a show that he probably wouldn't. So I'm bringing along a guest from the Deathmatch Wrestling World. If you follow that, you probably know his name. He's somebody that was barely on the radar about a year ago, and right now he's getting booked everywhere in the country and in Canada as well. That would be the hipster heartthrob, the king of no ring, Casanova Valentine. How are you, sir? The Bushwick Antichrist, the scumlord of the underground, the creator, the originator of the No Ring Death Match, the Charlemagne of Handsome, the Gilgamesh of Giddy Gush, the hipster heartthrob himself, Casanova fucking Valentine, is on the Big Bad Nonsense podcast. Get your dickholes ready. <laughs> <laughs> So, just another normal night for my man over there. (laughs) So, what I would... (laughs) God, you are a treasure. Um, What I'd like to do is do a little basic Q&A with you and then maybe get into some stories beyond the scenes as much as you're comfortable with. I know you don't want to burn too many bridges. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll do a little bit. Um, We're not going to go too deep into the Q&A because, you know, you're an interesting guy, but nobody 
gives a fuck what your favorite movie is or anything like that. <laughs> so it, it's the movie, uh, the Running Man, with Art Springer. Now that now you know, now everyone knows. <laughs> well, okay, so we don't even have to build up to that moment anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm gonna start it off. I think Sam's got a lot of questions for you because he's kind of virgin to the deathmatch world. But I'm gonna start it off here. Damn, um, I'll be gentle, okay? <laughs> perfect um everybody that's in wrestling at the point in their lives that you are they knew from an early point in their lives that they wanted to get into it like you didn't wake up six months ago and be like i'm gonna be a fucking wrestler so like you were you're watching it from the beginning what Mm. what point did you go from the basics to looking at getting hit in the head with glass and barbed wire and all that shit? And you're like, you know what? That seems like a good idea. Yeah. You know, I mean, outside looking at it, it looks fucking nuts. But the first time I had, this how sick it is. The first time I had barbed wire raked on my forehead, the only thing I could think was, finally. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, I grew up, you know, I, I'm from upstate New York. I was trained in New York, and in New York, you deathmatch isn't allowed through the, uh, um, you know, New York, uh, New York State Athletic Commission. Mm-hmm. So I was always kind of, even when I was on the normal indies before I did the no ring stuff, I was known as a hardcore guy. Like I, I was like the guy you'd book for hardcore matches. Right. So I always wanted to do deathmatch. I was, you know, I grew up with you know ECW and FMW. So that was, you know, I always wanted to be Bruiser Brody. You know. So, um, I always knew I wanted to do deathmatch, but it wasn't as easy being in New York and I was trying to break into Jersey. I just didn't know how yet. And then, and then after I took some time off, I started doing no ring. I was like, fuck it. We're just going to do deathmatch. And then, then it opened up all the doors for me there. So yeah, I, I wanted to do death from the beginning. I just didn't know how to go about it yet. Cause I was in New York and then it just, you know, kind of fell in, fell in my lap after a while. So it's just kind of an easier route for you and seem more organic well yeah well so so the people that don't know or the people that do know um, I, i'm the guy that started the no ring death match so yes sir the reason i started doing that um in new york i i'm also an artist as uh so i booked a, a pro wrestling themed art show and i did a whole bunch of murals of famous dead wrestlers and i was trying to think of something else to do for the art show and I was like, dude, fuck mm-hmm. it. I'll do a performance art piece where I just wrestle someone in the venue. So mm-hmm. it was never supposed to be a thing. It was uh, the plan. Like the first show is called Deathmatch. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't supposed to be an ongoing show. It was just supposed to be a one-off thing. And I was like, I'll do a Deathmatch because it will like, you know, be shocking to a lot of people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then, but here's the thing is I made the most money I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, fuck, I better. So I did another one. I did another one. And. Now I I make more money than I doing my own promoted deathmatch shows than I make doing any indie show. So I love when you watch deathmatch online. People are like, oh, who's that worth a hot dog and a handshake? It's like I actually I make a ton of fucking money. So fuck you. So, <laughs> so it just kind of and then from there I started wrestling. Uh, you know, bigger name people saw my shows and I kind of got into it organically. It wasn't like. I went to Dojo Wars and came up to CZW, you know what I mean? I came up my own way, so kind of fell into a different path. Yeah, I know you did. I 
been following you since the beginning. Um, how did that first pitch go? I mean, you're a bouncer. You're a bouncer at a Jesus Christ. I knew I was going to forget this. Um, tender trap, right? Yeah. So here's how it worked is. So I was a bouncer at tender trap and I was still, you know, pro wrestler. Um, I got kind of fatigued with the indie scene for a while. And I took a year off. I was like, I'm just kind of done with this for the time being. I like, I did it. I wanted to be pro wrestler. I could knock it off my list. Um, but then after a year went by, I wanted to do this art show and I was a bouncer at Tender Trap, so I already had to in with that venue. And I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do a wrestling show. And then one night, um, the bar booked boxing in the back. They had a no-ring boxing show. I was like, holy shit, if they're all boxing here, they'll let me wrestle back here. And it kind of worked out because I'm friends with the owners, and they're kind of like punk rock guys that don't really give a fuck. So, it, you know, I can't do this at venues that are going to be all tight. It has to be kind of like right. punk rock rad places that would let basically if if you like gg allen you book me if you don't like gg allen you want nothing to do with me that's basically <laughs> my i'm on the gg uh sliding scale of being booked or not you know yeah that that's about where i put you as well <laughs> so we've already covered my first big questions which were what the hell and how the hell um, but yeah. in terms of like you mentioned that um, you were making more money or are making more money kind of in the deathmatch scene than in the regular indies and as someone that lives in a town that just has a relatively small standard indie scene and like my only exposure to deathmatch wrestling is via the internet and mm. like is it as what like how widespread is this or is it very like regionalized deathmatch yeah deathmatch or uh well deathmatch is interesting you know it there's pockets of huge fans like i like so you're oh, you're from ontario canada that's right yeah okay so i'm currently the no limits wrestling deathmatch champion of canada which is oh, a small okay. promotion in hamilton mm-hmm. um and you know i go there it's a small crowd but all the fans, before I got there, they knew the names of all my moves. They knew all the matches I've ever had. And you don't really realize how big your reach is, you know? And then I just started wrestling for Vicious Outcast Wrestling in West Virginia. And same thing. like V-O-W. A, you know, yeah, OVW. And I, I'm going to be back there October 27th. But all the fans know me. They know everything. And it's kind of interesting how, you know, you go to these small venues, but the fans are so crazed about it. So... You know, I, I feel like I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg of how far my reach is, you know, till I get booked to new places and people already know me. So, you know. So, so this is definitely a thing that doesn't exist without the Internet. The Internet definitely helps because you could listen. I I could do a small show, but I could put the match online for free, post it everywhere and the whole world can see it. We live in a different time. You know what I mean? Right. So it's definitely I mean, there is a clip of. Uh, John Wayne Murdoch versus G Raver at the last OVW show. Mm-hmm. It's a Canadian destroyer onto a barbed wire trampoline. It has over two hundred thousand views on YouTube. I mean oh, on wow. Facebook mm-hmm. on the Facebook clip. So I mean you gotta think everyone's like, Oh man, a hot dog and a hand job for for wrestling deathmatch. Well, no, not really. Maybe there was eighty people at the show, but you got two hundred thousand views, that's gonna open up more doors. You know, I started out just working, wrestling at a bar I used to work at, and now I've worked Masada, Matt Tremont, 
Stockade, G-Raver, Slack. I basically wrestled some of the biggest names in Deathmatch, and it's all because of my YouTube videos got so big, you know? Right, right. So you, the power of the internet, you know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> and while we're um, on that, so you're no longer at Tender Trap, that's done? Well, I um, I left Tender Trap. I, I currently work at a brewery in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Right. Um, but I was my owner, my, my friends own Tender Trap. My best friends are bartenders there. The one band, Tight Fright, that plays all my shows. The lead singer is a bartender there. So, like, my shows are always mad fun because all my friends are making money on the shows, you know? Mm-hmm. And my my week, my week, I always run on Wednesdays or Thursdays. And that's because, A, I don't run against any other indie promotion. So, no other indie has a reason to get heated with me and try to rat me out to the cops. And, <laughs> yeah, and, well, it's smart, you know? I won on Wednesday. I'm not And, B, um, it's easier to get talent because who the fuck's booked on a Wednesday, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. Then, uh, and then C, because I live in New York, if I run on a Saturday, I have to compete against all of New York City. Like, any party, any event, whereas a Wednesday, there's nothing going on. So that's why I draw the way I do on weekdays because it's like if I ran on Saturday, I'm not just running against pro wrestling. I'm running against all of the things you could do in New York City, you know? Yeah. So, so that's why it worked out. And, I mean, I've been talking to you for, I don't know, a year and a half or so, something like that. Um, you've really climbed the ranks in that time. What do you think was the launching pad for that? Like, you were kind of just the guy that was just doing it because he liked doing it for quite a while and yeah. you've taken off recently. What do you think was the moment? Well, here's the thing. In the beginning, I was wrestling other local guys. Like Deathmatch 1, I did Indestructible Joe Hotel. Deathmatch 2, I wrestled this guy named Magma and I worked at a small promotion with both those guys before. And in Deathmatch 3, it was a triple threat. Me versus Joe Hotel versus Magma. And after that, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to keep booking this because all the vets in New York were shitting on me. All of them. They're all like, this is fucking dumb. <laughs> the black guy in pro wrestling. Casanova's doing this backyard bullshit. And then I got Connor Claxton. And then I got Masada. And I think Masada was the launching point. Because after I got Masada, it added like a real big level of credibility to my shows. Um, mm. Because... To have a fucking OG, real-life badass like Masada hit me up to work it and then put me over to everyone being like, yo, Casanova's the dude, it, it just helped me. Like, overnight helped me. And then from there, I mean, I did Deathmatch 7 against Tremont, and Tremont asked me to do it. And then I got Zack Sabre Jr. versus Chuck Taylor to open, which is just fucking ins- I mean, what other show can you see Matt Tremont and Zack Sabre Jr. on the same card, you know? That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Never. And what's nuts, here's a popular misconception, is the fans that don't like me or they just don't know anything, they think I'm a money mark and I just paid to have all these wrestlers come fight me and it's like this we're, we're this ego boost thing. But that's so fucking far from the truth. Like, I split the door evenly. So... Whatever I make, Zack Sabre makes, or Matt Tremont makes, or Masada makes. I'm not paying for anyone's flight or anything. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, I just did this for fun. And then bigger names asked me to do it when I'm going to say no, you know? 
Zack Saber's like, hey, can I wrestle at your birthday party? You're going to say no? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I was like, hell yeah, dude. No, so, I mean, if Masada shows up with his skewers and he's like, can I play? You're not going to be like, fuck you. I was like, no, it's kind of a small thing. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah so it ended up growing that way. So, mm. you know, I just had more and more bigger. Because the thing is, my shows just are fun. You know, mm-hmm. the big difference between my shows and other shows is mine's not a wrestling show. Mine's two bands, a bunch of beers, a bunch of babes, and it's a party. Whereas other shows, you go in the middle of nowhere and you watch fucking 12 matches in a row in the gymnasium. And, like, it's a harder sell for New York. It's like, like when I first broke in, I used to wrestle in Deer Park, Long Island for New York Wrestling Connection. It's an amazing promotion. There's amazing talent there. But trying to get anyone from Brooklyn to drive all the way to Long Island to see me wrestle on a Saturday, nah. there's no fucking way in hell, you know? Mm-hmm. And then by the time we get home, all, you know, so I brought basically I just brought the wrestling show to people that I knew would love it. They just need to see it. You know, there's plenty of people. I'm like, you don't think they're a wrestling fan, but trust me, if you watch this shit live, you'd love it. And I just had to see they just had to see it. You know, and what's crazy is the amount of deathmatch fans I've made. Like when I got booked for CCW this year, I had so many of my friends, so many people I, I just vaguely know went to CCW just because I was booked. Originally, I was going to rent a party van and drive everyone down there. But, like, last second, things fell through. But I was about to get a party bus full of 50 people just to take them. Because it's people that didn't like Deathmatch or just didn't know about it. But I made it accessible. So it's not just, like, IWA in the middle of the South. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's, like, normal people seeing it. Let let me jump in there. The next time you're trying to coordinate a party van to go to one of these shows, like, fucking call me. Because yeah, I, I would have driven the goddamn thing. Like, Yeah. I, dude, I had it so dope. We were going to leave from Tender Trap, and I was going to th- fill the whole top row of the, you know, overheads with 30s, 30 racks, and then we're going to drive there, <laughs> wrestle, and, and then have an after party. And then I was so stoked to do it. But, like, last second, there was, like, problems with the owner of Tender Trap is actually a very world famous BMX bike rider, um, who's now retired, but now he does commentary for the X Games. His name's Dar- uh, Daryl New. He's mm-hmm. fucking famous, and he's always out of the country, so it's kind of hard to coordinate with him. So last second, it just I couldn't get the email back and the deadline done in time. But that's the kind. Of, that's the kind of thing I want to do. I want to make pro wrestling fun. You know, like I, I'm so tired of going to these shows, and it's just like a little gym and. You know, like, fuck, dude. I want to. I'm an adult. I want to meet babes and party. I don't want to. You know. Like, <laughs> so I don't know if you maybe want to plead the fifth on this, but I know that the New York State Athletic Commission can be kind of stringent, or at least I've heard it is with even just more like traditional um, or conventional pro wrestling shows. Like, what's it like running death matches in a place that has a commission that actually? functions like a commission yeah well i gotta tell you um there's a couple things one is i never go fuck the commission fuck new york state regulations i'm underground we're the hardcore under i never talk shit i just do my own thing and i don't poke the sleeping bear you know what i mean right I okay my own thing and i don't bother them i don't shit talk them and i don't have beef with other the thing most people get in trouble is when another promotion rats them out it's like a, some, another promotion like gets mad at another promotion and goes, uh, did you know the guardrails aren't this far back? And they get all nasty and petty. 
Like back in the territory days. Yeah, it, it's bullshit. But for me, I have no street beef with anybody. You know what I mean? And for the most part, um, I, I'm bringing more people to pro wrestling shows, more different indies. Like I'm going to be working with uh, Outcast Pro, which is a new promotion in Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, more people see what I'm doing and realize it's generating interest. So they like me. So, so it's not so much like haters, you know? And second is... I, I booked my shows as performance art. Nowhere on my flyer do I say it's wrestling. Um, I don't have a fucking ring, and I say it's performance art. So, if anything, if the New York State Athletic Commission wanted to come shut me down, it would be huge fucking publicity for me. Seeing me get arrested in handcuffs, shutting down performance art show, like, it would be so huge for me. They would be fucking helping me if they arrested me. You know what I mean? Right, and, and you've never had any issues with the commission at all? They just kind of leave you alone? or I've, I haven't heard anything, so I'm just going to keep doing me, and we'll see how it goes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I broke my shows at, like, punk rock places that, you, you, like, if you live in New York, you would know the places that they would never call the cop. You know what I mean? I don't run, like, posh bullshit neighborhoods, you know? Yeah, the ask a punk kind of venues. Yeah. <laughs> Says a guy that's done Juggalo Championship Wrestling, but we we can go on from that. Um, looking at what you've done and what you're looking to do going forward, let's go down a, kind of a quick list of names and venues here. Um, and again, I, I don't want you to burn any bridges where you are right now, but... Okay. But... Is there somebody that you're comfortable saying the name right now that, let's say, Biscuit Championship Wrestling's offering you a show right now, and I got this guy, that you would be like, absolutely fucking not, under no circumstances. Like, is there a guy... Don't want to work? Is there a guy that you're not going to work with? Uh... See, my thing's weird. I'll 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 go on the record about one thing, okay? All right. Um, But it's not so much a I I it's not a dig. So there's a guy that I worked once. uh, I don't I I don't want to say a name, but I'll give you an example of of something. Okay, Um, you don't need to name names. Okay. So I was going to do an over and death match with this guy, and. They flew, they flew me out to Orlando to do my no ring shows, right? And now I'm going back to Orlando in next weekend for my fourth no ring death match there. I've started my own little – so I do New York, Orlando. I've got New Orleans coming up, and I've got Tucson, Arizona coming up. So I'm slowly traveling with just the no ring wrestling show, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was going to wrestle this guy, and then I just needed an opponent, you know? I just need – it was my first time there, and I just need somebody to wrestle. And – uh, it's a guy that I knew from New York that lived there now. And, like, when, day of the venue, he, like, refused to put me over. He's like, no, man, I live in Florida now. Why, you know, I'm not letting you in. And I was like, I don't understand this. Like, they're flying me in here just for me to do one of my shows. And I, you're not going to do business with me, like, day of. But for me, is I'm professional. At the end of the day, it's not about winning and losing. It's a scripted fight. If, if your ego is ever so big that you refuse to lose a scripted fight... You're in the wrong fucking business. So what I did was I go, I I tell you what, I'm going to have the ref keep stopping me from doing hardcore stuff. And then 
So the ref cuts me off. You you beat me. You get to go home with the win. And then I bump the ref at the end. So we go up with a positive bump and all a positive pop, and the crowd gets to go home happy. Because I and then, but it, honestly, it worked for the better. Because then it ended up turning into a storyline of every time I went back to Orlando, the ref kept cheating me. And then the third time I wrestled Marcus Crane, and I go, if I beat Marcus Crane, I get two minutes alone with you. But if your guy beats me, I'll never step foot in Orlando again. So it ended up working out. Yeah, I think I remember a, that, actually. Yeah, because I'm a goddamn professional, and I make it work, all right? So, like... <laughs> Hello, pod people, and pardon the intrusion. This is just a brief reminder that you can listen to Big Bad Nonsense wherever fine podcasts can be listened to. Currently available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and via our YouTube channel. Please do subscribe and rate us and tell a friend. And now, back to our special guest, Casanova Valentine. Here's another guy that I worked who refuse to put me over the thing is i don't book these shows to put myself over okay i as long as it makes sense storyline you know what i mean mm-hmm. like I, for me it's not about winning losing if you watch my matches i i've lost it i've lost to joe Attell, i've lost to stockade i lost to masada i lost two matches in orlando before i won it's not about winning or losing but it has to have a kind of continuous story you know what i mean so that's what, ma- for me, the storytelling matters, not the winning or losing. Like, if I'm losing, it means I'm striving to finally win for the payoff. Or, you know, it just has to make sense, you know? Right. So I had another guy fight with me about going over or not, and I was like, fine, dude, you win. You know, I'll make it work for whatever I got to do, you know? But uh, for me, that's something I don't really care for. Like, listen, I'm a big, tough guy. You know, I could have done MMA. I wrestled in college, but I prefer wrestling because – storytelling and having fans and being a character. So, like, if you're that worried about wins, man, I'll put you over, dude. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... It seems so strange to Mm -hmm. me that, like, in 2018, and in particular on the indies, people are still, like, Kevin Nash in each other. Like, what is it? Like, there's no kayfabe anymore. Like, what is the advantage here? I don't get it, man. You know, I I just want to have a good match. The thing is, the, the goal is, so I just wrestled this guy, Big Fucking Joe, from the UK at JCW. Mm-hmm. Championship Wrestling. Saw that. That's an unreal name. Big yeah, Fucking big Joe. Fucking Joe. <laughs> yeah, he had a big fucking bleeder at the end of that. Oh, my God. He, I got him all mooted, mooted out, man. He was tough. <laughs> my favorite part of that match is I put him against the guardrail, and I go, Nice color, pussy. And I slap him across the face. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, okay, that that match is a great example. Um, me and Big Joe, they weren't even going to record that. Like JCW didn't have anyone to record the matches, so if I didn't bring my camera guy, it's crazy. You know, they have such production value and everything, but they didn't have anyone to record the show. So if I didn't bring my own camera guy, there would have been no footage of that, and. I lost that match, but it elevated both of us. So now Big Joe is going to help me get to the UK. I'm going to help Big Joe here. And that's the point of the business is to make money, elevate each other that you're higher than you were going in. And to, you know what I mean? Like, it's not about winning and losing. It's about if you can make me look good and I can make him look good, we're both worth more money, more places, you know? 
I want to back up a minute here because you said a couple of the magic words in Deathmatch Wrestling to me right now. And that is Marcus Crane, who I think, outside of you yourself, might be the most underrated guy in the circuit right now who's flying up the ladder right now. I mean, what's it like working with that fucking nut job who I have seen go through a razor board face first and didn't even look like it bothered him? I'll tell you this. Marcus Crane is a fucking maniac who I love to death. Uh, in the in pro wrestling, I think Schlack and Marcus are my best friends. Um, Marcus is a madman. Uh, I love him to death. He's also I'll say this right now on record: Marcus Crane is the best deathmatch wrestler working right now. Easy. I, like I'm not even. It's not even debatable. Like no, he might he be. The, you might be right. He is. Like he he just is. He does the best bumps. He does. He does the most creative shit. The match, I don't know if you just watched the match he had at uh, uh, Freelance in Chicago. He wrestled a non-deathmatch guy who's Craig something. I can't remember his name. But, dude, it was incredible. The clips from that match, like, he can work and do high spots. Um, You know, where I think Schlack and me are more character-driven. Like, you know, Schlack looks crazy, and I cut really mean promos. But if you watch my matches, like, I keep it kind of simple, dude. I, I just, you know, I'm not hitting Canadian destroyers and shit, you know. Um, I'm more of I'm more of like a Bruiser Brody brawler, you know. Yeah, I mean, but, neither is Schlack. Schlack looks like they fought him from a block of ice like six hours ago. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think me and Schlack are I think top for promo and presence, but I think Crane is number one overall in everything. Like he can work, he can do the craziest bumps. Like he did pigeon spikes. And he's fucking yeah, uh, God, I yeah. remember that. Like, who's who's more besides you know Crazy Monkey? Like, who else does sacrifice their body more than Marcus Crane? You know. Uh, also, by the way, so my my whole tagline is "Take drugs, fuck girls, and win fights." And <laughs> when I wrestled Marcus in Orlando, I was like, I think I'm going to change my gimmick to full night's sleep, balanced breakfast, because I could barely keep up with Marcus partying. <laughs> Dude, I, like, we went out Friday in Orlando, right? We're wrestling at this uh, bar called Sound Bar in Orlando. And we went out so hard the night before. I was blacked out. I, I didn't go to sleep till, like, I, I, like, was in the hotel room at 5 in the morning. And I'm like, I'm going back out. I'm going to find something to do. Just wandering in the streets of Orlando at 5 in the morning. Like, fucked up. I was so hungover, calling the whole match. I was like, yeah, man, whatever you want to do. I, felt, I, I almost canceled it. I almost, I'm like, in Orlando, I was almost like, I don't know if I could do this again. <laughs> <laughs> but Marcus, he, he's like, he's indestructible, dude. I saw him do crazy shit, and he was up the next day, like, whistling. And I was so hungover. Like, so. I little, think the drugs help. Huh? I think the drugs help for him. Yeah, I th- I'm a little nervous about wrestling him next weekend just because I, I got to keep up with him. <laughs> yeah, he's um, the first time I saw him, it was in one of those shithole IWA um, Deep South, you know, that one match show a year that they've come out of bankruptcy, man. He was yeah. dressed like a fucking rodeo clown like everybody else there you never heard of. And it's like... I'm never going to see this guy again. And right now, I see shit on Twitter where 
uh, GCW or what have you, they're like, who should we add? And it's Marcus Cray, Marcus Cray, Marcus Cray, Marcus Cray. Yeah. Like, he's, he's number one right now. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just fucking, he's a really good worker. All right, I'm, I'm done sucking Marcus's dick because I'm sure he's going to listen to this. Today. Come on, Casno, what the fuck? Uh, uh, but yeah, really you suck, Marcus. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fucking kick your ass, Marcus. Yeah, so next weekend, it's a triple threat. It's me, me, Marcus Crane, this guy, Johnny Knockout, triple threat. And then, you know, I'm going to go ahead and announce it now. I haven't announced this yet anywhere. Um, November 10th in New Orleans. I'm wrestling at this place called uh, Poor, Poor Boys Bar, and it's me, Kit Osborne, and Marcus Crane in a triple threat, another triple threat. So that's going to be in New Orleans, uh, November 10th. Kit Osborne's so be... another one that doesn't get as much pub as he should. Oh, dude. Uh, Kit's one of my favorite people. What's so funny is I, I go, so before I got booked for a uh, you know, tournament of death, and I went to, like, two CCW. I went to Cage of Death, and I went to the one show right before uh, TOD. And I love it just because I just – it's an excuse just to hang out with Kit and uh, Dan O'Hare and Connor Claxton. Like, I'm friends with all those guys. So, like, people don't realize it's a small community. Like, we're all friends, you know? Right. Like, but so what's so funny is the whole behind this – you know, the whole feud between Game Changer and CCW – like back and forth, dude. We're all like, I'm not even in, in either of those promotions, but we're all friends. Like, I fucking, I'm like, yo, what up, Jimmy Lloyd? Like, I hang out with Jimmy Lloyd and yeah. Hunter Claxon and G Raver and Marcus Crane and Schlack. Like, we're all in group chats. Like, you know what I mean? We're all friends, right? Like, yeah. So the beef is with the promotions, not the workers. You know? Yeah, I, I think uh, CCW. I mean, they were kind of the kingpin U.S. for a while, and since GCW came in, the booking they're doing is just so fucking outrageously good. It's like video game shit, and I think they feel yeah. threatened by it. Yeah. For me, it's like, for me, like, it's Jersey, and they're going back and forth. I just go to where I'm booked, you know? I don't know. Mm. I don't have dealings with everybody. Like, I was booked for Jimmy Lloyd's birthday party with, well, they wanted to book me for Game Changer, it was going to be me versus Jeff Cannonball, but I was already booked in Orlando that weekend, so I, I had to, like, not do it. And then, uh, really, dude, I had a really bad month. So, originally, it was supposed to be me. I'll tell you guys, because it didn't happen. It, after Game Changer uh, lost in New York, Joey Janela, this Friday, it was going to be me and Jimmy Lloyd, no ring deathmatch at Tender Trap for the after party. And uh, <laughs> it would have been sick, man. We would have, like... G- GCW would have co-promoted it. It would have been awesome. They would have like put me over a little bit, and then I would have been beat Jimmy. But Tender Trap is closing. There's like something going on with them, and they're closing, and they couldn't give me that weekend. And so now that didn't happen. And also this Saturday, I was supposed to wrestle on a boat against Tommy Dreamer, and Nashville got canceled. So instead of going from doing a game changer after party, and then Tommy Dreamer having like a really sick. Huge wrestling weekend. I'm doing jack shit with a thumb up my ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so I mean, I haven't worked Game Changer yet, but I'm sure it might happen. And CZW, I mean, I got some heat for doing ga- uh, uh, tournament of death. A lot of fans were like ripping into me. Nah. But for me, it's a paycheck, man. I, I mean, right. they call me and they call me, and I was free. You know what? 
I'm going to say no because there's online beef. Like, you know, I don't give a fuck. You know, like I'm from Brooklyn. I don't give a fuck about Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talking about other promotions, you'd mentioned that you had wrestled in Hamilton. And like as the Canadian, I've got to ask, like, where have you worked in Canada? So far, only No Limits Wrestling. Um, it's a really random thing. Um, uh, Indestructible Joe Attell is a New York hardcore guy who I feel like doesn't get enough respect at all. He, um, a lot of people kind of poo-hoo him and, you know, trash him, but he's a solid worker. He's been in New York. I think the reason people give him shit is because he's been around so long and doesn't work any of the big promotions, but he just does what he does, you know? Like, I don't know why. I mean, he's a pro wrestler. He does what he wants, but, uh, people can't kind of give him shit, but if it wasn't for him agreeing to do the first no ring death match, I would have never gone off the ground because he was the only guy crazy enough to do it. He's like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. I don't give a fuck. He's like, no one can take any less of me, you know? So, like, without <laughs> him doing it, it would have been a thing. But uh, Joe Attell had gone up to Canada and wrestled a deathmatch tournament for them. And then uh, the promoter's name is Pierre, who's a fucking – the best promoter I've ever worked with. Hell of a guy. Lets me crash at his house. Uh, always has, a like, beer for me, extra bedroom. He's the best. Um, and, uh, he, he put me over to Pierre. Pierre was, Pierre was the first guy to really book me from the no ring stuff. Like now I'm starting to get bookings, but he was the first guy to be like, Oh, he's doing no rings. That's cool. It brought me in. So I came in, I did a, we did a quick tag match and then I came back and I did, uh, this death match gauntlet match. I had to do four death matches in a fucking row and I lost like two pints of blood. Jesus. And it was a long... It was Sounds a long about match. right. Yeah, everyone's like, oh yeah, Casanova, he can't make, he can't wrestle three rounds of tournament death. I'm like, I just wrestled fucking four last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I did that, and then the I just went back up, and it was me, um, Schlack, and then two Canadians, Matt Cash and Tyler Hill. Okay. Yeah. I just won their belt, so now I'm the current uh, No Limits champ, but I would like to break into interspecies wrestling. Um, I'm really good friends with the owner, uh, Michael Woods. Um, he, um, he, he, I had him defend the interspecies belts on one of my deathmatch shows, Chris Dixon versus Joy Janela. So like, oh Janela, yeah. That... So we had their belt on the line. Mm -hmm. I like them. Um, there's, a, I, I love to wrestle Sexy Eddie in Canada. So I'm trying to get in the Canada more, you know. The fact that Eddie's still alive kind of amazes me. <laughs> I mean, he he kind of put Tournament of Death on the map. You, I mean, you know, I don't know if Sam's seen it because he's not as hands-on with Deathmatch, but you know what I'm talking Wait, about. When he arm, busted the arm artery and, you know, he's like money shotting himself. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> I cut Jesus. a promo on, so Stexy Eddie cut a promo talking about how He's the only Casanova, kind of like a slight rough uh -huh. And I was like, Sexy Eddie, you have been relevant still. You got a vagina on your arm and almost died at tournament of death. I'm out here currently killing the fucking game. But, dude, I love Sexy Eddie. I'm actually a huge Sexy Eddie fan. So, like, that would be a dream match for me to knock off. So, Interspecies Wrestling, if you're listening, book me versus Sexy Eddie. He's got the... the uh, He's got a hardcore belt up there, and I want to take it. So let's do it. 
Yeah, I was just trying to pull up the iconic image of that for uh, uh, Sam so, here. Uh, and um, if you Google sexy, Eddie, I, I, let's just say I don't recommend it. You're going to see um, a lot of dicks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so let's move on. Yo, from... real quick. I just want to say real quick. Sexy Eddie's reaction to hit the blood spring out of his arm is pretty incredible. Like, oh, yeah. Like smiling. And loving it because I got—I'll be honest with you—I sprung a leak pretty bad in Canada the second time, and my reaction was to ham it up. My reaction was, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> oh yeah, like I would have freaked out, and he was like, he just sold the shit out of it. it was... Yeah, when yeah when I was gushing like that pretty bad, I was like, "Let's go, let's go home, guys." <laughs> I was like, let's yeah, this up. Uh, so uh, much respect to Sexy Eddie. Yeah, a lot of people would see that as uh, time to go to the hospital. I'm uh, posting a little picture for Sam there in the chat. Um, I just Googled it, and yeah, that's a lot of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, can yeah. I tell you a quick story really fast, because it's fresh in my head? I'm yeah. sorry I have a segue from that's a lot of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, okay, do you guys know Dick? do you guys know Dick's Sporting Goods? Do you, you know yes. that chain? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't know if Kando you have it. So, quick story time. All right. Um, when I was in school, high school, my mom wanted to order me cleats for football season, right? And my mom's older. My 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 parents are in their seventies now, but they're they're older. They had me like in their forties, you know. So mm-hmm. my parents are older. They don't really understand technology or computers and stuff. So my mom used to be a nail tech and worked at a nail salon, and she's telling all of her older friends who are all gossip queens who all have no idea what technology is. She's like, funny thing, I was trying to buy cleats for Tori. My family calls me Tori. Trying to buy cleats for Tori, and I typed in dicks, and all this gay <laughs> porn came up. <laughs> <laughs> my mom just searches dicks. Right? <laughs> Is this for fun? Yeah. What then, benefit does this do for me? Yeah, and so then one of her older, <laughs> one of her other also dumbass friends is like, well, Marion, that means it's in your search history. That means someone's searched dicks before. Has no idea what she's talking about. And so <laughs> my mom is like, well, the only other person that's losing my laptop is, is my son. Tor-. And so she puts two and two together that she thinks I'm searching dicks on her computer, <laughs> even though she's already actively searching dicks for dick sporting goods, right? <laughs> <laughs> so my mom picks me up from football practice and she she has to talk with me that she's okay with me being gay. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Son, so, I yeah, know so, what you did based on what I did. Yeah. I'm like, mom, you typed in dicks in Google and you got gay porn. That's what would happen. It's because you know, of you. That, now everyone knows that story. You're welcome. welcome yeah, now that that's a good parent internet story that, you know, <laughs> they're like, this kind of pornography on the internet, it's so hard to find. Somebody must have done it before. Yeah, someone must have <laughs> yeah. done this before. They bury this deeply, so for it to show up like that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it took me a while to shake that because my mom worked at, like, a nail salon. It's all gossipy old women who don't have anything going on. Yeah. So.
Hello once again, pod people. We're just going to take one final break here to remind you all that you can find us on Twitter at BigBadNonsense. Come and join in the conversation as nonsense happens every single day, and we can get through this together. If you like what we're doing and think a friend would enjoy being part of the nonsense, please share us with them as it helps out the show. And now, back to the interview. I kind of want to lead us um, towards the sort of end here with some kind of train wrecks with you, because I know you've definitely had some doing what you do. Um, What is the shittiest venue that you've worked for a show, like something that you walked into it and you're just like, oh my god. Uh, Man. You can only pick one. Uh, (laughs) uh, Man. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, I had to work, I worked this small promotion called ECPW, which is like a local promotion. They're like, they're like a shindy. They're not, you know, the talent's not really good. But mm-hmm. they they book like name guys. They're like a small promotion that books name guys, and uh, I don't know if I should. T- I'm gonna tell it. All right. So uh, yeah, think think about it. It's at this it's at this um, small gymnasium, and it's like all like the ring's real small, and I see like these weird people setting tables, and I'm already kind of regretting it. I'm like, oh fuck, you know, mm. and. Um, we get in the locker room and Hacksaw Jim Duggan's in the locker room. Keep in mind, I didn't know he was booked. He wasn't on the fly or anything. But I, I just, I don't know if I should say. But Hacksaw Jim Duggan's naked, and I just keep in mind, I just broke in the business. I don't know anyone. It's my first time working this promotion. I just open a door and I see Hacksaw Jim Duggan's dick. And I'm just like, what? And what the fuck? And he had a huge dick. And I didn't even know what to do with that information. So he carries it was a like couple two by four. parents fuck or something. I was like, I don't know what to do. And he comes up to me, he's like, hey, what's up, kid? Hacksaw. I'm like crushing my hand in a handshake. And I'm like, hey, man. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's the best part of the night or the worst part of the night. I just don't know. <laughs> All this time, I thought he was carrying a wooden plank and it was just his dick. Dude, honestly, I think it was a rub with Vince. Vince is like, you got a big old dick to tear out the wood. Like, I think I joke. But that was one of my first, like, horrifying experiences in the indies. I had another one where, like, if we're in the basement of this place and everyone was just, like, pissing in bottles because there's, like, no bathroom. So it's just, like, real just fucking gross, you know? Um... Yeah, and I also had another show. I I wrestled at another show, and like it wasn't the worst venue, but just talk about like anxiety. Was I? I was like three months in the business, and the guy I was wrestling like was caught in traffic, and you know this is why you have to learn how to work and not just be a spot guy, because he was caught in traffic and uh, he fucking got to the venue and my music hit while he was like getting dressed. He's like, "Go call on the ring." And I was super green, and that guy wasn't that good to call in the ring. With the match still came together all right, but like talk about fucking shit in the dick. Like I was just like, oh god, you know, trying to piece it together in the on the fly with a guy I've never met, you know, mm-hmm. and I wasn't that confident yet because I was only like freshly into the business. So I had another match where I did a tag match in my. We called to this day. This match haunts me. 
it was it was me and this guy Jamie Van Lemer, who no one knows. He used to work at NYWC. Super talented guy, but like he he was in indie wrestling before it blew up, and then he got hurt. Um, but super talented. We wrestled Joe Gacy and this guy and uh, J Red. I mean J Row, which is um, Jigsaw's brother. We have we call this huge indie fantastic tag match with flips, big spots. And on the way the ring, my tag partner blew his ACL up, getting it up to the apron. And so it turned into an impromptu <laughs> handicap match. And like, how the hell did that happen, dude? Just jumping up to the apron blew his like completely blew Jesus his leg out. Jesus Christ! And so I'm, you know, keep in mind I'm kind of new. I'm probably like six months in, and I'm getting the you know they're beating the fuck out of me. And Casey's like, tag him in. And I didn't realize how bad his leg is. And Jamie's like, don't tag me in. So I have both guys <laughs> telling me. And I'm like, uh, you know. And I fucking, I tag him back in. And they try to one spot. He, I didn't realize how bad he was hurt. Fucking rolls out. And then, I, you know, then I go back in there and just get slaughtered. You know, because it's a, t- a handicap match, essentially, now. You know, right. and it gets off the rails. I fuck up. And then. You know, Jamie, I get all this heat because I should have tagged him back in, but I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Mm. So it was a real, real clusterfuck. You know, thankfully, my matches have gotten better since then. So. Right. Yeah. I don't even, I have footage of that match that I private on my YouTube, and I won't even watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, as somebody that is a huge fan of wrestling, but has never really watched much deathmatch stuff, I know you probably get this question all the time, but, like, what is a match or a couple of matches that you would recommend for someone that's a fan of conventional wrestling? I mean, I would look up any, um, for like, I would look up, um, any early CCW, anything with Necro Butcher or, you know, Nick Gage. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with, you can't go wrong with Necro Butcher, Nick Gage or Matt Tremont or Masada. They, they don't have bad matches. Like all their death matches are great. Um, I think, the uh, Masada versus uh, Danny Havoc is the finals of, uh, I think, the Nick Gage. One of the Game Changer tournaments is really good. Uh, Nick Gage versus Matt Tremont when they did the concrete canvas oh, is Jesus. amazing. Uh, uh-huh. but, uh, yeah, I remember that one. That's you. You got to be hardened to watch that shit. Um, I would watch any of the recent. Any, I mean, dude, honestly, everything that Game Changers done lately is just fucking the best you can see for American Deathmatch. Um, like, uh, you know, the, I can't remember the guy's name, but the Mexican tag team. They just they wrestled each other in the finals of the last uh, tournament of survival. Um, everything Game Changer recently, dude. You you can't go wrong with any of the recent Game Changer shows. Um, and this last cage of death, uh, last tournament of death was really great too. But honestly, I'm old school wrestling, so I'd watch, I'd watch any Necro Butcher, any Masada, any Nick Gage, and in Japan, look up, uh, Hayabusa was hands down my favorite deathmatch wrestler, um, in Japan, FMW. So he wrestled Ornita, an exploding cage match. Uh, I mean, there's just tons of good stuff, but all right, names, you know. Oh, so I think the best. The best match ever is Tom uh, is uh, Sabu Terry Funk Born to Be Wired. That's a good introduction because it's a slow build barware match. So, okay, I'd watch nice. That. 
If I can throw one more in that's not a full-blown death match, but I think anybody that's into hardcore shit they have to see, it would be uh, the latter match, Chris Cash versus Joker, Kid Your Death 5. I would say that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Absolute mandatory. Um, one match I show all my friends who aren't pro wrestling fans, I show them any Masana Tanaka Mike Austin match. Yep. That's, oh, okay. Yep. I know. Listen, you don't think you like pro wrestling? Watch this motherfucker with a mullet fucking powerbomb this guy. How <laughs> many don't love that shit? You know? Mike Awesome was a. You don't want to fight him. Let's just put it at that. Like, he could beat up an army of me. Yeah. Mike Awesome was the man. I, I show. I think I, I show everyone. Either Mike, like these are my go-to matches to show non-wrestling fans. I show them either Mike Awesome or Tajiri, because Tajiri yeah. has like such a refreshing wrestling style. Like, all right, I'm gonna quick, quick uh, vet. I hate how everyone hits cutters and super kicks. I started throwing a super kick recently, so I'm guilty. But I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of like the same shit. Like Canadian Destroyer, it's Canadian Destroyer, Lung Blower, Super Kick, Cutter, but. The thing about Tajiri is he had a special moveset that only he did, and it felt special watching him. Same thing with Cesaro. Cesaro does an old-school kind of moveset with Euros and big swings, yeah. and it's unique to him. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more guys that just do a move. Like, why do you do that move? Like, what? why, you know, are you a suplex guy, or you? Or are you Regic Strong who does only backbreakers? You do something that's special to you. Or interesting to you, or that you built towards it, you know? If you're a backbreaker guy, then you've been working the back the whole match. You know, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Tajiri's really fun to watch because he has a unique style that he only does, you know? He's not just hitting flips and Canadian Destroyer. Like, anyone can hit Canadian Destroyer, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, when you... And, and something that works with the gimmick, too. Like, I know yeah. even just in, in the, like, shitty local fed that we've got here, you see guys who are, like... 20 years old and they're doing super kicks and they're doing high spots and doing submissions. And I'm like, I'm watching this match in the ring and I don't know who you are. You're just doing everything. Here's a good example. Okay. Did Mick Foley ever hit a Canadian destroyer? No. Okay. Did S.A. Rios hit crazy flips? Yeah. But who's a better wrestler? S.A. Rios or you you probably don't even know who S.A. Rios is. S.A. Rios or Mick Foley? It's because an emotional connection. The best wrestling match of all time, and it's not even debatable. I won't even argue with it because it's a fact. The best wrestling match of all time is Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, WrestleMania 3. Okay? Because emotional connection, build-up, and fan interaction, and storytelling, there's nothing beats it. It's the best match of all time. Okay? They didn't hit shit. The finish of that match was a fucking (laughs) leg drop. Okay? (laughs) It's emotional connection. You know? Yeah. You see... Foley's face, and you tell, oh, you you feel for him getting beat up. You know, it, when you hit a Canadian destroyer, they're popping for the move. They're not popping for you. You know, you got you got to make them care about you. you uh, know, oh yeah, like personality. Like Foley and Undertaker, that Hell in a Cell match. The first time that I felt scared in that wasn't the first bump, wasn't the second bump. It was the shot. After the second bump, Dude. when Mick Foley looks right in the camera and smiles, that was the first time I felt That's... fear watching that. Yeah, and like because you care, you're you're emotionally invested in that person. You know, yeah. Like I see these indie matches, like who am I? You know, I'm not some fucking all star guy. 
But, like, I see these matches, and I'm like, okay, you hit a bunch of fucking cutters, and, like, but you have the personality of a limp dick. Like, I don't give a fuck about it. I can see, it, I can see cutters and flips at any fucking show now. But what makes you different? Like, it's not even different, but what makes you exciting? You know, like, what's the point of having abs and hitting a 450 if who could give a fuck about what you, you know? Like, do something interesting. You know, yeah, like... That's, know. um... Like, I'm gonna commit blasphemy here as a deathmatch slash trash core aficionado that's watched so much of it, but that's why I never got into Wife Peter back in the early CCW days. Because he just came out and he just took those light tube crucifixes to his back. He got like 200 tubes broken over him during a fucking match, and that's not even exaggerating. But you got to a point, you're like, dude, we fucking get it. Like, stop. Do something else. And it just, it was just gore for the sake of gore, but you're not building anything. Well, Deathmatch is very guilty. Think of how okay. Think of how easy it is to do good storytelling with deathmatch. It's so fucking easy. But every deathmatch, it's this guy versus this guy for no real apparent reason, and then <laughs> they put each other over at the end. You mm-hmm. know, because it's like, yo, you got fucked up, I got fucked up. But dude, it's so you can do storylines in deathmatch. There's no reason you can't do storytelling in deathmatch. Like, if like I did the Orlando thing where I lost twice, and I go, you know, if I get him, I get two minutes alone with you. You know, you could do storytelling like. Like, right now, like, in my opinion, right now, like, the biggest deathmatch that could happen in the U.S., and it'd be so fucking easy to build it, would be Nick Gage versus Masada, okay? Okay, like, yeah. why does that not happen? Masada is, like, one of the last real bad motherfuckers. Nick Gage is notorious. They're the two top guys. I think they only wrestled once in, like, Germany or something, you know? Yeah. But you could easily have him come in and just be like... I'm the real fucking outlaw. I'm the blah. You're taking it. You know, it's so easy. You know, like, you know, and then, or like, you know, don't put each other over at the end. You could do a bullshit finish in a death match and it doesn't ruin the death match and it builds towards, you know, the first match could be a hardcore match and then it's blah and it's no ring and then someone gets involved and then now it's a no ring and barware cage. You know, like, you could still go up in death match. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason you can't do storytelling, you know? I would take those two, and I'd add June Kasai and just, like, have them do three ways until they died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In the U.S., like, if I was a booker, I would make that my... I would make that my build to the big show. You know? If that was me, you know? Yeah. Um, All right. um, I, I think we could go for another two hours here and not be tired of it. But, yeah, but um, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. You've been awesome. Um, what I think I want to do at this point is I want to do a final question. I want to give Sam one final one if he has one as well. And then I think we're going to wrap it up because seriously, I think awesome. we, I think we could shoot the shit all night. Um, yeah, you guys are great. <laughs> um, um, mine would be what's the most fucked up thing you've seen a fan bring as a weapon to a deathmatch, because I remember talking to a guy that did one of the first IWA MS, uh, King of the Death Matches, and I asked him this, I just said, you know, what's 
the most fucked up thing somebody tried to sneak into a fan's bring the weapons match. And he looked at me and he said, a gun. <laughs> like somebody, <laughs> somebody brought a fucking Glock to it. It was oh like, use the shit. So I want to know what the most messed up thing that you've seen is. Um, at, at Tournament of Death, we, we get there and they're stockpiling all the fans bringing the weapons. And some sick fuck may, took a water jug and could... And, uh, Super glued gusset place to all the water jug, oh, no. and then had and then had razor wire around it. And I go fuck that, get that thing away from me. <laughs> oh my, uh, yeah, no. Real quick, <laughs> side thing. Um, I do everything. All right, like I, there's not one thing I've said no to. I do, I've done thumbtacks, barbed wire, light tubes. I I haven't done. Uh, I've done gusset plates. I, I've yet to do panes of glass, but I'll do it. Um, mm. The one thing I <laughs> fucking hate is I hate carpet strips. I, the reason I hate carpet strips. I know. Oh my god, it's dude! It's visually bullshit. Like, like a light tube explodes and it's exciting. Yeah, or it doesn't even look it. good, and it rips you up, dude. It, it's the it's like you get the most hurt you ever get. And no, and no one sees it. And nobody like, gives like, a shit. I, you are speaking my language, man. I don't get the, the the carpet strips. It's like you go through it, no one pops because it's not like a big noise or exciting looking. And then you just cut the fuck, and you're just like, what the fuck is that even for? Like, no, you know what I mean? At least a tube like makes a noise, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who started carpet strips, but fuck you. <laughs> yep, yep. Two votes there. Ah, they suck. So, uh, I know you probably get asked, like, dream match booking questions all the time, but I've got to ask a deathmatch wrestler, if there was somebody who was not a deathmatch wrestler, any time in history, anybody, who you think would have done really well in deathmatches, who would that be? So, what what wrestler would be good in deathmatch, or what wrestler I want to wrestle? Either or. Okay. Um... I I kind of wish Bruiser Brody was still alive. Uh, I would have been interesting to see how Brody would be like current time and age, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you guys this because shit's already happened, you know what I mean. So I might as well. So I was trying to book Deathmatch Ten for August, but with Tender Trap closing, everything got all fucky. And um, so originally, I was trying to get Tommy Dreamer to do No Ring, and then he passed. And I tried to get Sabu, and Sabu, like, I, I, he wanted a ton of money, and I'm like, I'm not that guy, I can't, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I almost had Jimmy Havoc, because he oh, was shit. here with Progress, um, and, but he was like, I'm only free next Monday, and it was like Saturday when he got back to me. I was like, I, well, it's not enough time. <laughs> I so can only I wrestle have, these seven minutes. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm free in two days on a Monday. I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know if I can promote it enough, you know? Um, so I have, de- I'm not going to tell you who, but I've got Deathmatch 10 booked to September 12th. But, it, you know, I, I Sabu would have been like my number one dream match. As, as, you know, I hate to be a mark, but, you know, Sabu is my favorite wrestler of all time. I don't care what anyone says. He's older and blotches stuff now. Fuck that. We're so they, like Sabu invented half the shit you see today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he deserves so much goddamn credit. Um, and, and even so when he's I, botching shit, he's still enter like more entertaining than yeah most Sabu people. Like, <laughs> fucking like 
dude, tables, springboard with a chair. Like, Sabu's the man, dude. Like, mm. so, ideally, my dream match before I retire would be Sabu. Um, uh, I feel like me and Nick Gage has to happen at some point. I mean... I was going to say, I uh, a birdie told me this was supposed to happen by now, sir. It was supposed to happen. Things change, man. Yeah, so, but- you promised me on the internet. That makes it true. <laughs> well, For- came up with Gage. I was, I was supposed to wrestle Gage, and then I had a match change, and I didn't want to. Okay, I was supposed to wrestle Gage, and I was hoping to have a win leading into Gage, and then something came up, and I didn't want to lose, and then challenge Gage fresh off a loss because I felt like it made no sense storytelling wise. So after I lost, I was like, well, I got to wait. I had to build some more wins before Gage. You know, I, I can't mm-hmm. call him out on a loss. And then things just changed. And, like, you know, this is just how pro wrestling is. Like, I was supposed to wrestle Tommy Dreamer like four different times in my career so far. You know, till I'm in the, <laughs> like, I was supposed to wrestle this weekend. Until I'm in the fucking ring with Tommy Dreamer and he's kicking the shit out of me, I won't believe it till it happens. You know, it's just kind of how pro wrestling is, you know? Yeah. But. I could probably guarantee that me and Gage will happen at some point because, I mean, I've, I've done Tremont, G-Raver, Schlack, Doc Cade, Masada, Claxton. Uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I, it's, it's if I if I want to say I'm one of the top deathmatch guys, I, I've done Marcus Crane. You know, if I want to say I'm one of the top deathmatch guys, I have to wrestle fucking, you know, Gage. So, yeah. so just for the record... How funny would it be if mid two thousands TNA Scott Steiner started doing death matches? I would be my favorite. <laughs> I Can love you every fucking that. imagine? He would just potato the fuck out of everybody. He did. <laughs> he, like, he did as it was. Like he did so much cocaine, he forgot wrestling is fake. Like, oh, he's... <laughs> I, you know what? That described half the half the workers I know too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, Steiner versus Gage, like, you wouldn't know which was in character. Oh my god. <laughs> dude, dude, some of my favorite clips is Steiner fucking people up in the ring. Oh my god, it's so much fun. There's so many clips of him just, like, just cussing and shooting on people. Plus, and his promos would be so good. Can you imagine? Oh, oh God, what was the one? Remember Hiroshima? Remember when Pearl Harbor bombed <laughs> yeah. the Germans? Oh, <laughs> Remember when the Germans attacked Pearl Harbor? <laughs> MDK, Hate Gang, GCW. In TNA, he was calling Samojo a half-breed. Do you remember that? <laughs> Yo, I can't believe you got away with that. It's like, Samojo, you half-breed? I was like, oh, I don't know, man. That's <laughs> I don't know how cool that is, dude. <laughs> now let me say something about Booker T. Commercial, commercial, commercial. Yeah, commercial, commercial break. Uh, <laughs> yo, his promos would be so good. I was, I was just like going back and rewatching. There's a like, think of how amazing old WCW was. I was watching a random Nitro, right? I went back on the on the network, and Scott Steiner walks out with a fucking tiger for no reason. It's a Nitro. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking Nitro. And he walks out with a, a tiger. I'm like, you wonder why this company went bankrupt? They like just randomly sprung for a fucking tiger 
for Scott Steiner for no reason. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know if you've ever read uh, the Death of WCW by Brian Alvarez, but I'm just going through the audiobook again and trying to follow along while like watching the old Nitros and like, how did nobody see that that company was going under five years before it did? <laughs> Dude, I watched. So, me, so there's a friend of mine named Ryan Fox who is the ref in Orlando that fucked me over. Yeah, but in real life, he's one of my favorite human beings. He's the guy that like helps get my flight scheduled and stuff for Orlando. And uh, our thing is we, we go back. to go back. Do yourself a favor. Start at 2000 and go watch every Nitro from 2000. And it makes – because, like, it's near the end. And it's, like, shit we don't really remember because, you know. Yeah. It's like, it would be, like, Disco Inferno. Just like in a tables match against like Avi Boy Smith for no fucking reason, and it's like it's almost like a fever dream. It's oh, like yeah, what but... the fuck is this? And like I watched the la- last one I watched, it was like uh, Vampiro fought like David Flair and Crowbar in like a forty minute handicap match. It was like competitive. Finally, and yeah, and then. Uh, Bret Hart had to wrestle like three times in one night, and they lower the cage. It's him versus Sid, and the cage doesn't go down all the way. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? It's like it's like you snorted. Imagine if you snorted a bunch of ketamine and tried to explain pro wrestling before it made you hallucinate, and you're quickly trying to like, blah, 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 and it just it hits you, and you're just like, blah, blah, blah. like it's just like. It's incomprehensible. Like, I just watched the one where uh, Chris Candido and Terry Funk had that hardcore match in a stable for a reason, I'm sure. And then Terry Funk gets kicked by a horse. Yeah! And, like, the best part is his response. His immediate response, just off the cuff, is, you fucking horse, I'll kick your ass. (laughs) Like, that's... This show is insane. I watched this random Nitro. Real quick, we'll wrap this up. And I don't remember what the premise was. But they're making, I can't remember who it was, but they're making someone wrestle a bunch of legends in one night, okay? And so, this oh, really happened. It's a cage match. I can't remember who it is, but off the top of the cage, it's Chris Benoit and Superfly Jimmy Snuka both jump off the top of the cage and dive on this guy at the same time. And my buddy, Ryan Fox, is like, they call that the double homicide! And I just lost. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like who the fuck booked that match? Like what is going on? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Fucked up. Probably uh, lost. All, I hope I'm probably gonna lose bookings from this this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I promise one more thing. At the gathering of the Jugglos, I saw a, a cardboard cutout of Crispin Wall outside someone's tent. <laughs> and so, listen to this. Listen to this. So me and Big Joe were were drunk and we're like, oh my god. We should go to these people's tent, ask them if we could use the Benoit cut out on our match. Like, you, you oh, run some heat what? on me, and I pull out the Benoit, and it scares you, and I throw you in a CrossFit, you know? So we're trying to think of spots to do with the cardboard cutout. <laughs> and, and we go, but listen how fucked up this is. We go into the tent, and we're like, hey, guys, what's the deal with that Benoit cutout? Do you think we could bar it for a match tomorrow night? And it goes... It goes drastically not what we think it's going to go. These guys are like, oh, we used to be best friends with Chris Benoit. It would be an honor if you did, like, a tribute to him. And oh, we're doing, shit. And we're like, oh, we want to do it to be dickhead, like, joke uh, around. Yeah, not to honor him so much. 
Yeah, and they were like, <laughs> no, we're, we're like huge friends of Benoit and, and we love him still. And I was like, yeah. oh, this this got dark now. Yeah. All the, so it totally <laughs> killed the fun of that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. You know? <laughs> that, that That's an awkward exit. You got to be like, um, my phone's going off, so. Yeah. The Gathering of Juggalos is fucking crazy, man. It was nuts. I can, nuts. I can only imagine from what I've seen. Um, it was just like midgets and naked women and just people laying off fireworks. It was just like lawless. Or as I like to call it, Tuesday. Um, Tuesday. <laughs> so, um, Sam, Cass, I... Maybe we'll do the jugglos another time. Um, I'd I'd love to have you back. You've been awesome. I thank you. I I think we're gonna wrap it up here. I want to give you some time to pimp whatever you got coming up. Keeping in mind that it's probably gonna be about a week before I get this edited and put out. But other than that, whatever you okay. got. I'm gonna see. Hopefully, if if this already happened, cut it out. But. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, CasanovaVal666. My Instagram is MCDeathBear. Yeah, it should. I have one called Casanova Valentine, but I'm not active on that one. I know it's a different name. Fucking sorry. Everything's not perfect. It's MCDeathBear. It's my art page. Now it's mostly wrestling because my wrestling career is blown up. So Instagram, <laughs> MCDeathBear. Twitter, CasanovaVal666. Um, you can add me personally on Facebook, but it's going to get really annoying because I... My mom posts on my wall, and it's not going to be cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, upcoming matches. This uh, next weekend, uh, August 25th, three-way death match. Marcus Crane versus me versus Johnny Knockout. No ring death match. Orlando, Florida as soundbar for the recently formed uh, No Peace Underground death match title. Okay? And then next weekend after that, September 2nd, the Hoko Fest, headlined by Andrew W.K., Triple threat death match is a theme here. It's me versus Neil Diamond Cutter versus Michael Kruger. Um, and then after that, November 12th, New Orleans, triple threat, no ring death match. Marcus Crane, Kit Osborne, Casanova fucking Valentine. September 12th, the hipster heartthrob, Casanova Valentine versus, I can't fucking tell you yet, at the last show at Tender Trap ever. It's actually going to be a different name, but still the same address. Boom. And then. I oh uh, <laughs> October twentieth, Sanction Pro, Ohio. October twenty seventh, uh, Vicious Outcast Wrestling, West Virginia. Uh, I'm th- as I come in. Uh, September twentieth, uh, Outlaw uh, Outlaw Pro Wrestling in Brooklyn, and that's all I can remember right now. And Mister Secret Mystery Host, do you have any deathmatch shows coming up? I do not. Uh, I think most recently, I just played drums on the new Tennyson King record. Uh, it's coming out, I believe, the end of this month. It's called Coast. He's got a video up for the single right now on YouTube. So just T E N N Y S O N King. Uh, and yeah, check it out. He said deathmatch, motherfucker. Don't make me cut the can. All right, you guys have been fucking phenomenal. Thank you for carrying me during this episode. I would like to have you both back sometime. Yeah, Sam, I'm going to be in Hamilton, Ontario, defending my uh, NLW belt sometime in October. The match, the date's not set. Please come, beers on me, okay? Hell yeah, you're one town over. All right, sounds perfect, man. 
All right, and for those listening out there, thank you for joining us for Episode 3 of Big Bad Nonsense. We will be back for Episode 4. Really depends when Sock gets back, if he does, or if he gets eaten by bears, but we will see you sometime. Thank you. Take drugs! Fuck girls! They win fights! Alright, pod people, thank you for listening to the Big Bad Nonsense Podcast, Episode 3. You can find Casanova Valentine on Twitter at CasanovaVal666. Sam can be found playing drums on the new Tennyson King single at TennysonKing.com. Links to everything can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe and rate us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, or join the conversation on Twitter at BigBadNonsense. See you all in the next episode, and it's been great to know that you're listening. Hopefully the hacksaw story is okay. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding? I lost my shit during that. That's awesome.